This segment is brought to you by Matt Bates for Movement Mortgage, NMLS number 844154. Movement Mortgage supports equal housing opportunity, NMLS number 39179, nmlsconsumeraccess.org. You're locked into the Despirito Team Real Estate Show with host and top realtor Emilio Despirito on News Radio 920 and 104.7 FM. We're talking with industry leaders about real estate trends, money-making tips, and advice on buying and selling the American dream. Now, here's Emilio Despirito. Hey, thanks for joining us today. I'm Emilio Despirito, and this is the Despirito Team Real Estate Show, powered by Engel Invokers. Uh, we've got a great show lined up for you today. Really excited that you're here with us, and we're here every Sunday at 10 a.m. on News Radio 920, 104.7 FM. And also, if you're away or traveling, that's kind of a joke, I guess. You can also get, um, you can find us on the iHeartRadio app, WHJJ, streaming there. All right, awesome. So today we've got Matt Bates with Movement Mortgage here on the show with us. And, uh, you know, inventory is just a super low thing. So uh, there's not enough houses on the market right now. And we're going to jump into a program that Matt has, uh, which I think is fantastic, really great solution. But first and foremost, let's welcome the man himself. What's up, Matt? Hey, good morning, everybody. Hope everybody's having a good week. What is finally starting to break. Uh, so I uh, uh, hope everybody's out there uh, shopping for houses now where it's not, it's not so cold. <laughs> yeah, there's, you know, there's a lot of people actually shopping for houses right now. So we have the lowest amount of homes available on the market ever. We're actually under, uh, under 650 active homes on the market for single family homes right now. That is cuckoo because we're supposed to have between 4,000 and 5,000 homes on the market. Think about that. That's crazy. So um, what, do you, what, do you, what are your clients doing? You know, you don't only write typical mortgages, conventional FHA, VA, you know, mortgages like that, but there's other programs out there that they can use instead of uh, maybe going the traditional route. What do you got? Yeah, so, uh, you know, in times like this, there people start to get pretty creative and uh and you know they're 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 so motivated to close and buy something that sometimes they're way overbidding on a house that might not be worth it they might have appraisal issues it might be you know way more money than what you know what it, it requires but that's what happens because there's so many uh, people that are going after the same house that they are overpaying for all these houses. So, you know, um, that to me is a, not the safest way to go. Um, uh, whereas they, we have another option called a tool, an FHA 203K or a home style renovation loan, uh, which is a conventional loan product. Um, and I, there's differences, pros and cons for each one, um, and love to go over it in detail with them with anybody that has any questions. But essentially, the reason why I'm bringing it up is because, you know, if you're going to overpay for a house that's not going to be worth it, and it's just some ridiculous number that the house won't even appraise for, um, why don't we take some of that extra money that you're willing to spend and put it towards a renovation product and taking a house that's below your budget and making it and renovating it? to be what you want out of a home. Um, you know, these renovation loans give you a lot of options as far as what to do with the house. So let's say, for instance, let's say you have, your budget is 300,000 and you're finding a really high, which is a, it, honestly, that price point right now is very difficult to find. 
this in this state um, for a decent house, you know? Um, so let's say it's 300 and you just, you're, you're putting offers, none of them are getting accepted. You get outbid, um, you know, there's just, maybe there's something majorly wrong with the house and you're like, uh, you know, I don't know. So if we took that same budget, but we started looking at our houses at $200,000 and you factor in what you could possibly do with the renovation loan, you could add $100,000 to the loan and turn that $200,000 house that needs a lot of attention into your $300,000 budget without changing your monthly payment drastically. Um, it's, it, it gives you an opportunity to have a blank canvas. So sometimes these houses that you settle for that are in your price budget because of, of the price of the house might not have the, same, the right color wall or might not have the right flooring or the windows might be a little off or the roof might be a little older. With buying a house that's a little cheaper in your, out of your budget and adding the renovation component to be able to spruce this house up, you're actually making it exactly the way that you want it to. So as, for all my clients that are going this route with renovation loans, they end up loving the house way more than whatever they were looking at before because they did everything that they wanted to do to it. They made it look exactly the way that they wanted to do it. They added bathrooms or did the kitchen the exact way that they wanted to. They have the right appliances that they'd rather have. So it's a real opportunity to make a, a home, a, a house a home that you'll really love more than more more than just buying something that because you had to you know or that was what was available matt what are the are there so with the 203k or the renovation loans are there extra costs that a buyer might have is there anything up front and is there any extra closing costs or additional you know like what's the difference in, in pricing and um, a couple of things are a difference in the cost, um, and they're spread out throughout the, the process. So it's not like it all hits you right at once, and it's like you have to divulge yeah. all this all this cash. Um, but the appraisal can be a couple hundred dollars more, um, and the depending on how big of a renovation you do, if it's over thirty five thousand, and you're yep. doing a two hundred three k an FHA two hundred three k loan. You'll have to hire a HUD inspector, which is another um, 12 to 1500 bucks a month, uh, not a month, uh, a one-time fee. And he has to sign off on all those improvements that you're doing, but yep. which is not the case for a home-style renovation loan. So that's one of the differences, the major differences. Like, okay, okay, does it make sense to do FHA or does it make sense to do the home-style? Someone might, you know, look at that HUD inspection fee as a reason to go the home-style, which would save some money too. Um, also, the interest rates are a little bit higher because it's a specialty product. Okay. So, um, you know, but at the same time, you can borrow a lot. You know, you can borrow the money to do a lot of, of the work. Like, I haven't seen new septic systems, roof, windows, appliances, bathrooms, electrical systems, heating systems. You can do you can do a lot and, um, and you can make... A, um, you know, a lot of times it's under 35,000, but that's more than enough to be able to make whatever is going on with the house, you can resolve it that way. Um, go ahead. Well, I was, I was gonna say, you know, cause people may say like, well, how does it, how does it work? So basically um, what I know of the, the rehab loans, Matt, is that let's say if you're buying the house for 200, but once the work is done, it could be worth 250 or 300, they'll give you, um, they'll give you a certain amount of money not to exceed what it will be worth, correct? Is right. there like so, an 
80-20 value, uh, loan to value ratio, or how does that, how's that pan out? All right, so let's just say we're doing, we're buying a house for 200,000, you get a contract of pro, uh, quote for 75,000, right? Uh, that's what it's gonna take to make this house gorgeous and fix everything and make it so that it's, it's, it's perfect for you. Yep. The appraiser is going to go to the property with your $75,000 quote and your purchase and sales agreement for $200,000. And he's going to, he or she is going to appraise it at or above 275. So the total between the purchase price and the renovation. And they're going to say, okay, after this house is improved, according to this contract, this contract is quote, it, the house will now be worth 275 or more. And a lot of times it's more because now it's a brand new, uh, gorgeous house in the market and the work doesn't need to be done. Yeah, yeah. Now, if the appraiser has a bigger issue where like, okay, you're, you know, you buy a house for 200, you buy, you're buying it for 200 and you're putting $200,000 into it. That's a, you know, now this house has to be worth 400. Does the neighborhood support a $400,000 house? You know, you can't just build this ridiculous house with a renovation model without the neighborhood supporting the renovation. You know, you just pretty much can't go overboard when it comes to that. Um, but there's a lot of professionals that help you along the way between between me, you, the real estate agent, and then the contractor, and then, for instance, the HUD inspector, when the HUD inspector gets involved, if, he, if, if you're going the 250K route. So because of there's all these mortgage, these professionals, real estate professionals around you, you know, it's very, very rare that we get to that point where the appraiser doesn't agree with us, you know, because we have all of the, we have all these people here that also are working for you that are aware of that issue, and they'll you know they'll flag it before the appraiser does typically and, and when they're doing so when you get a contractor in to do these repairs matt and by the way if you're just tuning in we're talking with matt bates with movement mortgage and uh, matt is one of the top lenders here in the state of rhode island also covering massachusetts as well movement covers all 50 states uh rimortgageguy.com again check out rimortgageguy.com to connect with matt but we're talking about the 203k renovation and the home uh, was style. a home style program. Now I haven't used the home style program, but we've had clients use the 203K program. And to sum it all up, uh, basically it is a loan you can get where you can find maybe an estate sale, or a, a, a foreclosure, or a home that needs some work, and you can literally finance the cost of those repairs not to exceed uh, higher than what the property would appraise after those repairs are done. It's a fantastic option for a lot of different buyers, especially right now in the low inventory market. And Matt was giving us all the details. So again, I urge you to contact Matt if you have any questions about that or any type of financing uh, or refinancing type of uh, questions or information for um, uh, com. But Matt, real quick, I, the question that I wanted to ask you was, when you're hiring a contractor, that contractor has to jump through some certain hoops and go through some special uh, things in order for the um, in order for the property to 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 go through, in order for the two three k to go through. Can you explain what that is? Yeah, so a contractor is a very very important team member to um, to the to the whole transaction. They have to be available uh, to go over paperwork and contracts and things. The best 203K um, contractors that do the best job um, are the ones that have have some experience with it in the past, but 
Um, they have to be properly insured, um, have all their W-9 forms and 1099 forms all, all, all done and ready to go. A lot of them have that organized because they have to do it with other jobs. But the biggest thing about contractors is that we're, we're the bank that's, obviously we're the bank and we're paying yeah. for it, not the contract. So if a, if, a, if a customer hires in cash, they're the bank. So they decide when they're going to pay them when they're not. Um, uh, contractors have to be okay with our pay schedule and the way that we pay them out. And um, there's phases that happen. Um, depending on the size of the renovation, the phases come out where phase one is demo, phase two is the kitchen, phase three is the bathrooms. And depending on the scope of work, and then after each phase is completed, the, there's a reinspection that happens. And then the appraiser goes and says that, yes, phase one's completed. Now it's us. Now we have the okay to distribute the funds for phase two. So a lot of times contractors, if they're not familiar with the how to structure the phases, they might get themselves in a place where it's not good because they need they need money to be able to fund fund the deal. Whereas contractors with a lot of experience, they'll know that they have to bankroll the first phase in order to get paid for the second one, or they'll know how to structure the phases so they're not left without putting up any money up front. So uh, contractors that are really good at do the work that they do, like they might be really good at putting the nail through the, through the piece of wood, but if they're not sure on the pay schedule, they'll be, they'll have a lot of struggles doing it. So yeah. um, when you go in and vetting out contractors, it's really important for them to focus on the contract with the bank, understand the phased out process, and then uh, understand how they get paid. So that way they can structure the deal or pass on it if, they, if they're not comfortable with doing it and we go to somebody else that's more qualified for it. So I, over the years and over the transactions, I've learned to have a, a really important phone call with the contractor to allow, allow them the opportunity to like figure that part of it out before it becomes um, you know, a done deal. And a lot of times it's just a conversation, but you know, they have to have their insurances order, insurances in order, their licenses in order, and they have to be, you know, up to speed on all that. But pending all of that, we can use pretty much any anybody that falls in the category. Okay, awesome. Good stuff. Uh, again, this is the renovation loan. When you're purchasing a property, um, you can go ahead and tack the renovations on top of the mortgage. Fantastic, fantastic opportunity. And, um, Definitely a nice to have options in a very limited inventory market, you know, and this works for off market properties too. If you know someone, maybe a neighbor or a friend or a family member, and you know, they want to sell their home, but it's a little dated, you can go in and make these cosmetic touches. It's really great. So awesome. Or, or if you already own a house, you can do a refinance with a renovation loan as too. So if you're like, all right, I don't know whether to sell or to buy something new, maybe we can just make what we have better. You can do that with route too. Wow, that's awesome. I did not realize that. Good stuff. So that's really cool. Great. So you can check out uh, Matt Bates at uh, the rimortgageguy.com. Again, rimortgageguy.com. Check him out. Let him know you heard it here. And uh, Matt, appreciate you very much for coming on the show with us today. Again, Matt Bates with Moving Mortgage. Thanks, brother. This is uh, the Despirito Team Real Estate Show, uh, powered by Engel and Volkers. We'll be back in a few moments right after these quick commercial breaks. Thank you. Now back to the Despirito Team Real Estate Show on News Radio 920 and 1047 FM. Also available as a podcast on iHeartRadio.
All right. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Emilio Desperado, and you are locked into the Desperado Team Real Estate Show, powered by Engel and Volkers here on iHeartRadio. We've got our uh, guest contributor here with us, our co-host, Matthew Bates with Movement Mortgage. What's up, Matt? Hello, everybody. We uh, And if you missed the earlier segment, uh, you can check it out on facebook.com backslash Desperado Team or on SoundCloud. And uh, Matt and I were talking about 203Ks renovation loans, fantastic option for you. If you have any questions, you can contact Matt at rimortgageguy.com for a pre-approval or any other information. So without further ado, we've got Christina McQueenie here with Nexus Property Management. She is the uh, one of the newest franchisees that have opened up in the Natick, Massachusetts area. We're excited to have her. We know how how well Nexus is to work with as far as, uh, you know, for property management purposes. And uh, welcome to the show, Christina. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, Welcome. Glad to have you. I heard a lot of great things about you. And, you know, the Natick market is great. What other areas uh, outside of Natick are you covering? All Metro West, really. So it's all the surrounding town, all the way up to Boston, all the way down to the border with Rhode Island. Left wow. and right, basically Metro West. So it's not just Natick, guys. <laughs> wow. All right. So that, that's a that's a massive area. That's great. You definitely have your hands full and you're going to do great with Nexus. So uh, we're talking about evictions, right? Because uh, evictions uh, pre-COVID were a lot different than evictions post-COVID. And there's a lot of things going on right now here in Rhode Island. I can imagine Massachusetts as well is more of a, um, is more of a, a friendlier state like Rhode Island for the tenants. I would imagine, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. it's more tenant friendly. Correct. What Always can... has been. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, here in Rhode Island Go too. Ahead. So what what types of notices and rules are related when you file? Is there anything new that's different since when COVID started in Massachusetts? With evictions? Yes, there are at least two new things that we all should keep in mind. Pre-COVID, you had really two types of notices. It was 30-day notice to evict someone, give the notice, I want you to leave my property, and 40-day notice, you're late on rent. Mm-hmm. Right now, with uh, the laws changing, with COVID, I'll even say during COVID, it's not even post-COVID because we're not out of it yet. And because we are not, the rules keep changing. The laws keep changing, so it's really important to stay on top of what's happening and to do it right. For example, end of December, a new law get passed in Massachusetts with the termination notice, you also have to hand an addendum, which lists a bunch of different things for the tenants to be aware he's the support, he's where you can look for, for assistance. If you don't have this addendum with the termination notice, when you're ready to file your summons and complaint, you cannot file it because you didn't do all the pieces. And this, this is a new thing. And you know, unless you're working with a lawyer who knows all the pieces, stays on top of all the change of legislation, which is constant, Right now, during a constant, let's rephrase it. It's, it can't happen right now. It's more fluid than ever before. It's good to know what are the rules as of today when you start the process and check legally, basically. That's. So then another one thing. Other thing, the notices, you have the termination notice. Then you can also send the 14-day notice for payment, but now it depends. You have to, as a landlord, check your mortgage and if, this is something new right now, if an FHA back by the banks, you cannot do 14 days, you have to do 30 days. If you do 14 and you get to court, you'll be invalid again. You won't be able to submit it correctly. So nuances that 
the addendum actually lists when you, there's a check, but you have to uh, check, is it my FHA mortgage or not? And depending on what it is, then you have to know which notice you're giving. If it's too short, it won't be valid. And the biggest point I want to get across is time. Takes yeah. time to evict, takes time to go through the processes, but now during COVID takes longer. So it's very important if you decide to start the process, don't waste time, don't wait 30 days, 50 days, all tenants are paying three months ago, let me start something. Because at minimum, look at the 30 days, unless you do that correctly, you cannot even go to the next step, which is then file the summons. And from there, the notice is going back and forth with answers, it takes another 30 days to really get to a point where now you're waiting for a court date. The court dates, unfortunately, because of tenant friendly and COVID, take up to, I'm hearing from the lawyer that we're working with, six to eight weeks to get a court date. Wow. Unless you do all the previous steps, you can even get to this point to get a court date, which also may take another two months before you even get seen in court. And even then, I'm told that you show up to court and the court may say, well, tenant needs more time or tenant is complaining, whatever. Sorry, maybe not complaining, but saying, I, didn't, I couldn't find, I don't have the money, whatever the reasons they may have. The judge may award even more time to find another place before they give you the final judgment of a date. Please move out at this date. The process stretch a lot in comparison to before COVID, which is so. So, Christina, what I'm hearing is you're looking at three to six months to get somebody evicted. Is that correct? Potentially, yes. Every that under you know month and a half, like it used to be. Oh my God! So, all right. So, so Matt and I are both landlords, right? Matt. Could you imagine having a property, right, where you have tenants who aren't paying you for six months, bro? Oh man, I would. Uh, that would be. Uh, I mean, it puts a it puts a wrench in my, in my like it, you don't even you just you're hard to swallow that. Um, it, it's crazy, you know, because because there's a lot of positive. There's so many positives, and I'm forever a cheerleader of being a landlord and investing in real estate and. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of positive things, but it's not an instant. Oh, you own multifamily and you're the, you're the landlord. We're suddenly rich. Like we're not. Like we're. It's it's great financially, but it's a, it's a it's a very much a long game. Like you 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 do it to reap the long term benefit. Yeah. It's not like all of a sudden I get rent every month. I'm a millionaire and I can float all these bills. It's, no, I over leveraged myself because of rent coming in makes it easier to do. But if all my tenants were to go away and I had the same bills, I would go immediately broke. Yeah. So, you know, it's a very sensitive place, you know, for people in my position, because I, to float those bills for six months, I'd have to sell the house. And, uh, you know, and that's not the goal. That's not the reason why I bought, bought it to begin with. You know, um, I, I bought it so that way I can have a long-term um investment and 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 be able to reap the benefits over 30 years you know that's basically yeah. what the reason for so for anybody that thinks they any tenants that think that they they just can't pay their landlord and, and because it's covid and the eviction you know it just causes this whole bunch of anxiety and stress now on the flip side in my opinion if someone was to uh short me rent or not pay me rent for six months and that's how long it took until evict when I go to re-rent the property, I'm going to boost up the rent um, to make sure I cover my losses. And so therefore we're not making the situation any better. We're in fact hurting the future tenants after yeah. COVID, after all the vaccinations happen um, with the possibility of that. And 
you know, I just think it's really dangerous to, to not hold people accountable for their housing expense. Um, you know, I think there's, it's really tough. If you sign up, if you sign up uh, a, a lease that says that you're going to pay something, you, you pay it, you know? Yeah. Um, and if you don't, there should be repercussions like evictions and um, judgments and collections and things like that, that will force you to ultimately have to pay it at some point. Um, that's my two cents. <laughs> well, no, we, we appreciate that take. I feel a lot of the same way. So Christina, if somebody, when they go to file the eviction, right? Um, you know, obviously as a property management, a full property management service, mm -hmm. that's something that Nexus Property Management does for them, correct? For the landlord? Yes, and we do it for our clients. If you join and become our client, we do all the process for you, do all the notices, all the filings, they're all done electronic right now, 99% of them. I cannot speak for whole months, which is why I say 99%, but basically all is done electronic. I will always handle all the paper, all the notices, all the serving with a constable. For example, um, mass.gov gives you a lot of information about tenants and landlords you can read through. Well, some it's not accurate or kept up to date, let's put it this way, because yeah. it tells you you can... Uh, Pay the termination notice, hand deliver it to your tenant, or mail it, or leave it in the mail. But right now with COVID, unless you do it via constable, the tenant can show up and say three days later, I never got it. Go prove it that you gave it to them. Posting on the door, like it says, also not really sufficient. So doing it the right way, doing it with the professionals is the best way during COVID to at minimum save time, not waste time. Because if you did something wrong for the first month, wasn't a constable, the clock restarts. You miss a notice of filing, the clock restarts, and it usually it's 30 days, and then you move forward. So it's a lot of time. It's not two or three days that you lose. It's, I want to stress how important it is. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I just wanted to stress how important it is to follow the process because as a landlord, you have a responsibility to communicate your all, all communications to the tenant appropriately. The court finds you not communicating yes. properly the, the, the legal manner. They'll put your rate back to the beginning of the line. And as our clients, we do all the notices, all the servings. So you don't show up to court. Basically, you say, I'm hiring you. Please take care of this. And we follow from A to Z, from start to finish. Then the tenant is out, and then we help you place another tenant, screening everything else that goes with it to put you in a much better situation. So but the key is, unfortunately, you do have to be our client. We can't just go do the service on the side. So, so uh, Christina, you know, so there, there is going to be some people that you know may not, may not be working with a property management company like Nexus, and they're doing mm -hmm. it on their on their own, right? So where would they would go to Massachusetts or mass.gov? Is that where they would go? And they yes. would look up evictions, filings, and, and like you said, they could follow along all there. And then mm -hmm. they're, they're also going to want to probably consult with an attorney as well too, correct? Correct. Yes. Okay. Let me ask we you. Do have, I'm sorry, just want to jump in. We do have an attorney you work with, and one of the benefits working with Nexus is this attorney has been in the business for a long time has done it many, many years, know the inside and out. It is an attorney who works with Massachusetts and Rhode Island. If we happen to have property owners who, who only cross the border, so you can help them in both ways, depending where the properties are. Obviously, I focus on Massachusetts because of where I'm located, but it's just a nugget to know if you do have properties in both areas, Nexus can help you in both awesome. areas, as well as a network. For example, the thing I find out, which, um, Mass.gov does not list, you can hire a constable. You should be hiring a constable to serve all the notices. 
But the constable has to be from the area from your town. You cannot get a constable from Boston to serve in Natick, for example. Yep. So now in our network, the lawyer will know, okay, this is the, the constable I have to reach out in my network, this specific, specific person to go serve this notice to this specific address. So there are nuances that unless you're in it and go through it, you just don't know it. Got you. So it's it's pretty it's a pretty involved process. Last question I have for you: What is the cost uh, if somebody is going to do this from start to finish? Aside from obviously the cost of them losing all the money monthly, the taxes, the insurance, the mm -hmm. bill, the you know everything else. What is the cost to file and to put an eviction through? An eviction, Massachusetts. So from start to finish, with all the notices, with cost of the constable and the lawyers, it's one thousand dollars. Okay, well, that's, that's, that's I mean, it's, it's not tenant. horrible. Sorry, yeah. not for them, per eviction. Per yes. eviction, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if you have an apartment, you're evicting a couple, it's 1,000 for that apartment to get it back. Yeah, yeah. Okay, awesome. <laughs> so listen, if you guys have any questions at all for Christina, you can go to Nexus propertymanagement.com and there's going to be a, a place there where you can click Massachusetts and Natick and you can go ahead and check her out. Any questions at all for uh, any uh, property management questions in Massachusetts in the Metro uh, Boston area, Metro West, I believe you said, correct? Awesome. Yes, Metro Christina McQuinney can help you out. Christina, it's been a pleasure having you on. We hope to have you on uh, very Thank soon. Goes, goes by quick, huh? It does, it right? It does. Look at that already. Time flies. When you have fun, always. It does. Awesome. Christina, congratulations again on, uh, on opening, uh, opening up the, I believe, the fifth or the, you were the fourth Nexus property management franchisee. And I know that there is a new one as well now out in Baltimore, the five. So five locations throughout the country. It's fantastic. What a great organization. Thank you so much again, Christina. Thank you. You're very welcome. Matt Bates, Movement Mortgage. Thank you so much, brother. And yes. uh, guys, thank you. Stay tuned. We'll be right back here. We've got Mike Auger with Patriot Home Inspections talking about how to sell your property for the most money possible with a pre-list home inspection. We'll talk with you very soon. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Now back to the Despirito Team Real Estate Show on News Radio 920 and 104.7 FM. Also available as a podcast on iHeartRadio. All right. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Emilio Despirito, and this is the Despirito Team Real Estate Show. We've got on home inspector Mike Auger with Patriot Home Inspections, and you can check him out at uh, homeinspectorri.com. Again, homeinspectorri.com. Mike's one of the best out there. Actually, I think Mike is the best. I use him, recommend all my clients to use him. And uh, I do, Mike. I do. I, actually, I appreciate that. First home inspector I've ever hired back in 2012 when I started in the business. And we still use you every single week, every single day. You're great. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate you being here. I appreciate you having me on for sure. I thought about you the other day, brother. So I took on this listing and you actually ended up doing the home inspection for one of the buyers. I won't say the listing uh, address. However, I suggested that my clients do the pre-list home inspection. And when you went in for the buyers, guess what came up? The roof was leaking and vermiculite, potential vermiculite in the attic. And had we would have done the pre-list home inspection before, 
We could have avoided those things and avoided costly credits to buyers and so on. So we're talking about the home seller pre-list home inspection. Mike, would love to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah, so this is a perfect example of two items that can be, and uh, apparently maybe were, uh, a pricey negotiation that happened after the buyer's home inspection. So in this market right now, we're hearing loads of sellers that are getting, you know, thousands or tens of thousands of dollars over asking price on the, on the offers on their house, which if you're selling a house, that's awesome for you. You're getting uh, high dollars for the house that you're selling. Yep. But what can happen is just because you get that agreement to buy, uh, excuse me, to sell your house for, for that number that makes you happy. Um, sometimes that's actually not the number that you end up getting because the buyer comes in, they do an inspection and they find stuff wrong. And, you know, a buyer now in this market, because they're paying over asking so much of the time, they're, uh, they're a little bit more aggressive when they're trying to ask for people to fix stuff or ask for concessions based on conditions that they find. So sometimes what you have is a seller, they list their house, they get a, uh, you know, a slew of offers right now because the inventory is so low. And so they take an offer that's in excess of their asking price and everything's going good. Home inspection happens. And now all of a sudden you got this buyer that's like, look, I paid over asking price. I gave them top dollar for this house. I want a top condition house. We found these things wrong. I want you to fix them or I want you to give me money off the price of the house. Now your over asking price offer may be closer to asking price. Um, your, your new negotiation could end up being under asking price. And if you had done the inspection as a seller, you could have fixed those items and then listed the house, or you could have disclosed those items and maybe still sold the house for the same amount of money, but it would have taken that chip off the table where the buyer is now asking you to, to make a concession. So, you know, the, the pre-list inspection is huge in making sure that not, not only do you get a good amount for your house because you're making a, a super transparent disclosure, but you maintain that high level through the transaction because you're not going to get surprised after the buyer does their inspection. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the point that you made about how you get the over asking and then they come in and hammer you. You know, we've estimated $3 worth of credits for every $1 worth of actual repairs when it comes time for these negotiations. And it's true. Sellers are losing their shirts on inspections and it's overlooked all of the time. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, in a different, in a different climate where, um, you know, where, where houses are going and there, there are offers under asking price, like you had, you know, four or five, six years ago when, you know, maybe inventory was a bit higher and the demand was a little lower, you know, people had a, a little bit of a different mindset. Well, you know, they asked 400,000, but I only paid, 375 for the house. So I'm willing to overlook a few things because I feel as a buyer, like I'm getting a good deal. But yep. right now I feel like as a buyer, I'm having to pay through the nose because there's no houses out there and I'm paying more than they're even asking for this house. So I need it to be perfect. And, that, and that's just, that's, it, it's, it's just how it is. Absolutely. So they can go ahead and do a pre-list home inspection. What, what's covered in the pre-list home inspection? Um, so, I mean, when we do the pre-list home inspection, we're doing the same exact inspection that we're doing for a potential buyer for the seller, generating the same report and everything. So at that point, the seller can work with their agent. And I know that a lot of your sellers do the pre-list inspection. And 
you know, sellers are, are apprehensive because they're like, oh, you're going to find 47 things wrong with my house. And, and maybe we will. But it's not like the seller now has a huge list of repairs that they have to do to unload their home. They just have a huge list of items to disclose or a small list of items to disclose, depending on the condition of their house naturally. But people are worried that, oh, what if you find something wrong? Now I'm going to have to disclose it. And I'm like, exactly. You're going to have to disclose it and you don't have to fix it. So if we find that you have a 21 year old roof, that's a three tab shingle that, you know, might only have two, three, four years left on it because of the wear and tear. I'm not telling you to put a new roof on the house to sell it. I'm just telling you to let the buyer know the roof is old. That way their inspector doesn't come in and, and they try to negotiate a new roof. Same thing with the heating system. Oh, you got a 42 year old boiler. Okay. Does it work? Yeah. So we're going to write, look, it's 42 years old. It works. Um, but it's, it's, it's marginal because it's a little bit older and that, you know, disclosing that takes it from letting somebody know, Hey, this is the condition of it. We know it's older, but it is still working right now. Rather than, than a buyer coming in and their inspector saying, Hey, this thing's 42 years old. They only last like 40 years on average. So it's time for a new one. Now they're asking you for six grand. Yeah. Just it's, it's, it's well worth a few hundred dollars you have to pay us to, to, to kind of head, head off some of those negotiations before they even happen. Yeah, I agree. It's, uh, it's it, it, to, to not do home inspections, penny wise, pound foolish. It really is. People end up, uh, people end up getting hit in the head over, <laughs> later on in the transaction. There's all these other negotiating points and inspections is outside of prices, the largest. It really is. So you want to make sure to do the pre-list home inspection, get it all taken care of, and uh, make sure to be transparent and price your home properly. And you're going to do well. You're going to make more money. And I know it sounds kind of crazy, but I trust me, it works. We did, Mike, we measured this out. It was like last year. Uh, I'm sorry. I think it was 2019. I took 115 of my last listings then. And I put them all together and, I, and I, I made different columns. And I put one column, the sellers who listened to us on preparation, pre-list home inspections and pricing, and then the sellers who didn't. 81% of our clients who, who took our advice and did the pre-list home inspection, priced their home appropriately and prepared their home, like did some staging or some other sort of, you know, things like that so we could market the home appropriately, got 5% yep. plus each transaction about five, a little over 5% more on those transactions than the 19% who did not. Isn't that crazy? Yes. You're, you're talking, you know, tens of thousands of dollars sometimes for, oh. for just following advice of somebody who does this like yourself for a living. Yes. <laughs> it's like a no brainer. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hire a guy to help me sell my house, but I'm not actually going to listen to his advice. What, what are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is, this, this is like the house version. And if you, if you watch any TV and you see these commercials, what do all the used car dealers say that they have out there? They got the Carfax report. Oh, Why? Yeah. Because people feel better about knowing the history of that car. This yeah. is the same exact thing for a house. So it's a big investment. Why not do it? It's a no-brainer. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Good stuff. And you can check Mike out at uh, homeinspectorri.com. Again, homeinspectorri.com. Mike with Patriot Home Inspections. Mike, appreciate you being on here and uh, thanks for everything you do, sir. Hey, thanks for having me on. Have a great day. You're welcome. You too. Hey, stay tuned. We'll be right back with Jennifer Jaber with riblog.com talking about the top five events happening here in Rhode Island. I'm Emilio Despirito. This is the Despirito Team Real Estate Show. Stay tuned. 
Now back to the Despirito Team Real Estate Show on News Radio 920 and 1047 FM. Also available as a podcast on iHeartRadio. So you can see what's going on. All right, on the line with us, we've got Jennifer Jaber with riblogger.com. You know, every single week, you have Jennifer come on and talk about the top five events happening here in Rhode Island. And as we get closer and closer to spring, there's more and more and more to do here in Rhode Island. I mean, Rhode Island is just quite the place. We love it. And our food here is second to none. So if you haven't checked out riblogger.com, check it out for the latest and greatest events. Jennifer, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. And we turn the clocks too, so we'll get a whole other hour, or we're moving forward. Yeah. Saturday, right? I think. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. So we'll get another hour of daylight, right? Yes. yes and yes. you know, you know what I learned a while back is that the days they get longer, I believe, by what, like three minutes each day until yeah. June twenty-first, and so three minutes every single day. So think about that: ten days is thirty minutes so good it is it is it is i love when it, it stays lighter longer it's great so uh good stuff what what's what's going on out there so we have some saint patty's themed events on wednesday march 17th is saint patrick's day so you can head to the thirsty beaver on two locations the location in cranston or the one in smithfield they're both having a festive um day there'll be specials all day long as well as live music from local artists i think the live music starts around 5 p.m um, there'll be food 12 to 10 and fun until 1 a.m. Reservations are strongly encouraged just because, as you know, we have to, you know, capacity is not exactly the same. So definitely call in advance for either location. Um, if you like chowder and wine, I think we even talked about this last year, but I can't believe we're like back here talking about things, spring things. Um, the Langworthy Farm Winery Chowder Fest is happening the 20th and the 21st from 12 to 5. So you can relax and enjoy a bowl of chowder while you um, either do a wine tasting or you can just get a glass of wine or a bottle of wine. And that's um, located on Shore Road in Westerly. Um, if you're a fan of brunch, there's another brunch spot. Ogie's Trailer Park is doing weekend brunches both Saturday and Sunday from 12 to 4. On um, the menu, you have to check it out, but a couple of highlights are chicken and waffles, uh, trailer toast, biscuits and gravy, tater tots with all sorts of different things. And they have vegan specials as well. Um, and of course, lots of brunch drink specials. So definitely 12 to 4, make your way there. Awesome. More food. Um, <laughs> if you're a wing fan, uh, Wing Wednesdays is back at the Ocean Mist, which they've opened up a lot more of their weekly events too. So that they have the um, dinner and a movie and they have bingo. And now Wednesday is wing nights from 5 to 10. It's 21 plus, And you can enjoy a pound of chicken wings for $5. So if you're wow. a lover of wings, definitely worth checking out. Um, and last but not least, there's more St. Patty's Day fun at the Black Oak Kitchen and drinks in Coventry from 7 to 10. Take it to the bridge is playing and they're an awesome, awesome band. They're local and they'll have food and drinks as well. So, and we also posted um, 12 plus ways to enjoy St. Patrick's Day. So if you're looking for other ways, there's definitely more things going on besides those two that I mentioned. Love it. Good stuff. That's right. St. Patty's Day is coming up. And that's always like, that always reminds me of spring too. You know, are there going to be any parades for St. Patrick's Day or are they canceling parades? I think that they're canceled. I have to double check. I know it was up and like it was back and forth about the Newport one, but but I believe there's, I don't think there's parades, but I'm going to have to double check that. 
I saw I saw that there's a lot of the summer events that we look forward to are on for this year, like the Virtue Arts Festival, I believe. Um, one in Bristol and it's totally escaping my mind that that is going to be happening. But so I, I'm not just not sure about the spring ones. I think they're okay. still up in the air. Okay, awesome. Good, good stuff. And they can check it all out at riblogger.com, right? Absolutely. Awesome, good stuff. Thank you so much, Jennifer, with riblogger.com. Appreciate you. And, Thank uh, you. And again, you can post your events on riblogger.com for free. Uh, check it out. Good stuff. Thanks again, Jen. Thanks. Have a great week. You're welcome. You too. Awesome. Great show today. I'd like to thank Matt Bates with Movement Mortgage, as well as Christina McQuinney with uh, the Natick Nexus Property Management franchise, and also our friends over at uh, Nexus headquarters. If you're interested, you can check out nexuspropertymanagementfranchise.com to see how you can start a franchise. Um, you can also get pre-approved through Matt Bates at the rimortgageguide.com or rimortgageguide.com. And I'd like to thank Jennifer Jaber with riblogger.com, in addition to Mike Auger with Patriot Home Inspections. Good stuff. Thanks again. I'm Emilio Desperado. This is the Desperado Team Real Estate Show. Appreciate you listening. God bless you. See you next week.